Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. Join Doris Corda, Hawkins School's Associate Head and Director of Entrepreneurial Studies, as she shares her experience as an educational reformer told through conversations with Assistant Directors Tim Desmond and Allison Tanker. This is Radically Different, Hawkins Entrepreneurial Studies Program. In this episode, Doris and Allison discuss the Hawkins School Entrepreneurial Studies Program and how it is a completely different model for learning and teaching. They reveal how a rigorous academic program using real and urgent business problems is different than teaching how to run a lemonade stand or the traditional business class. So Doris, yeah. what is this program? And if you had to really describe it in totality, what is this? Yeah, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, like many things, the term entrepreneurship has now got so much baggage associated with it. And it is an entrepreneurship program, yes. Uh, But what does that even mean? It's really, um, what it really is, is an educational model that focuses on on mastery of skills. That's really what it is. And again, even that was full of a lot of edge jargon. But the point is, um, you know, I really don't think, like many people now, thankfully, I don't think traditional school's done a good job at all uh, or is doing a good job of teaching um, students skills. And right now, because of technology uh, and the world that we live in, the skills matter more than anything. The skills matter the most. Mm -hmm. And skills include knowing, you know, the world doesn't need humans to spit back um, from memory the date of the signing of the Treaty of Versailles. They don't need that. Does it help if people have enough context to understand that there was a Treaty of Versailles and why it happened? Of course. I'm not suggesting that, that learning history and content and science and math are hugely important. But equally important is the learning of skills and the development of problem-solving skills. It's a crazy world, and things change so much and are so unpredictable that being able to know what questions matter most, those are the kinds of things that the world needs humans to do, that we still don't have any better vehicle for than a human being Mm -hmm. and we don't develop that well enough in school so what this is is it's a completely different approach to doing school so that uh, the students learn the skills they're going to need in the world that they're going out into if if we dive a a bit deeper into that too to describe how you're actually fostering some of those skills. What is your process or your approach to doing that? Yeah, so um, again, I learned um, what I think kind of was always obvious to me because it's true for me also, that if I care about something, if something's meaningful to me, um, 
then I'll work like crazy um, because I, I want to. I don't have to be convinced to. I don't have to be prodded or tricked into. Mm -hmm. So everything I did as a math teacher for all those years was about how do I, you know, how do I get these students who, I mean, there are students, many of them, who come into a traditional classroom and are motivated to get the good grade. They're motivated to please the teacher or their parents mm -hmm. or they're motivated by what they think they should be doing. And I get that. But there's so many students who come in and say, this, I, I don't know why I should learn this thing that you're having me put all this time and energy into that I just don't care about. So what, what, I, what I've done with this is, is thought about how do you, if you know the learning that you're hoping to happen. So I, I very much, I think that the skills that are suits and skills that are crazy important for students to develop, that they'll need for the world they're going into, are how to solve problems that don't have answers in the back of the book. How do you do that? As a math teacher, I had all these students who were very well trained at practicing the same kind of problem over and over with different numbers and then spitting it back and doing it on the test at the end of the week. But the minute I gave them a question uh, that required some thought, they called them story problems back then, mm -hmm. um, that they didn't have any sort of example or experience with, they literally shut down. They were so totally and completely not prepared or willing even to just think about something and take their own resources and look at something they had no experience with on the surface and pick it apart. They had none of that. So I spent a lot of time developing those, working with students to develop those. Mm -hmm. So. This was about how do we, how do we get, give students the ability to learn creative problem solving, like really learn how to do that. Um, how, another, how critical thinking. How do, how, do, how do students learn critical thinking without a template or a recipe or a set of instructions and nothing more than their very able mind mm -hmm. uh, to to, to go at that. How, how do we teach really, really good communications um, of all type, written, verbal, everything? How do, how do we get students to really develop that? How do we get students to learn what it means to collaborate, to be really generative with others? Um, when I was in the working world back in the day, um, probably that mattered more than anything. My ability to work well with others, even if I wasn't particularly good at problem solving, if I worked well with others, I had to find somebody who was, and I could, I could contribute what I could contribute, they could contribute what they could contribute. We don't, we don't really teach students to collaborate well, and then they get out of college and they go out into whatever they're doing, 
and they fall apart and they're shocked because they've gotten straight A's and in all these all these years of school where somebody's giving them a grade on their individual thing, the world which has been teachers and parents have told them, oh, you're awesome, you're an A plus, you're perfect. And then they go out and actually what matters most is their ability to work well with others and they've got no experience. They've had no, that doesn't come naturally to people. Some people, are gifted and it comes naturally. For a lot of people, they have to learn through years of trial and error and working with different kinds of personalities and learning about themselves. And having to start that at age, you know, 23, mm-hmm. and that's the beginning of your education, let alone 28 or 29, mm-hmm. and find out when you're in the hot seat um, that you're unsuccessful and you, it's, so these, that's what this program is. It's about, it's about having students master these things. And it's crazy rigorous. And by the way, academic. So we've defined academics and what is academic and what isn't. And we've defined these disciplines in such narrow ways in school. And we're so used to it that we, we don't even question the system that we have grown up in. If you're solving a problem that doesn't have an answer in the back of the book, but you care about solving it, then you want to solve it well. And to solve a complicated, challenging, difficult problem that no one has yet solved and solve it well is going to require you to work really, really hard. And it's going to require a certain quality of your output and of thinking and of analysis and all these things. And so, you know, the program we've developed, which as you know, there's so many different sets of systems and parts to it um what i think what i think um what i think uh people you know you asked what is this thing when you say it's entrepreneurship education people think business and often people think oh uh they do pitches you know they 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 do fun stuff sitting in a room, having ideas for a startup and then pitching them. And, you know, if it's an entrepreneurship class or even if it isn't, those things can come into play. But that's so not what this is. Mm-hmm. This is about um, how, how do you structure and guide a path for students to learn really, really develop these skills by giving them problems in a way and the guidance through the problem solving in a way Mm -hmm. that makes that learning happen. What I love that you're talking about here is that we've seen entrepreneurship used in uh, developing countries for economic development purposes. We've seen it used 
in terms of gender inequality and, and creating more opportunities for women to be empowered and go right. out there and bring value to their communities. We've seen a lot of approaches, and those are things I'm very passionate about and I've had experience in as well. And I love the work that you've really been building here is all about how we can also use entrepreneurship as a tool for, for education reform, for really helping these students gain the meaningful skills they need for the real world yeah. and in really applying this in a much different way. So it's not about the yeah. content of entrepreneurship as much as it is about the process and building that mindset. Yeah. So, so exactly. So this is a, an entrepreneurship class, but as you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've been working with, uh, educators from all over mm -hmm. who are teaching humanities classes, science classes, math classes, whatever it is. And um, really, whether you want to call it using an entrepreneurial mindset or some of the processes or whatever, those come into play. Mm -hmm. But more than anything else, it's about how do you use something real, a real problem that, um, that the students in your room are going to care about and there are ways to, to go about structuring that mm -hmm. so that there are problems they care about so that the learning will happen. And in our entrepreneurship class, students as a byproduct, learn a lot about business. <clears throat> in other classes, as a byproduct, students learn, say it's a entre social entrepreneurship class, mm -hmm. like you know Robert's mm -hmm. teaching, they will learn entrepreneurial processes, but they'll also learn um, a lot about cultures and social issues uh, in developing nations. Mm -hmm. um, it really isn't content specific. It's not about entrepreneurship actually, and it's also not about the content. Sure, that makes sense. And I think it's exciting to know a number of schools have taken interest in entrepreneurship, yeah. uh, that a number of high schools, middle schools, certainly colleges have been developing programs, but that this shows the versatility of the work and that it isn't it doesn't have to be siloed in the same way that we've thought all subjects in school have to remain in their own right. individual silo that this is actually applicable because it is it's it's more of an approach that you've uh, built out here that's about real problems and entrepreneurship as we define it is about you know really seeing through opportunities and bringing ideas to life that address real problems in the world. So I think it's um, exciting to know this can be replicated in a multitude of settings and it isn't entrepreneurial specific. Yeah, I mean, so we, we uh, you know, what are some of the things that, for, so, so first of all, it's transdisciplinary. Mm. Um, design uh, plays a huge role in an awful lot of the, the approach because in the world, design plays a huge role in solving problems. Um, and 
you know, we use whatever piece parts of things that, um, that are relevant and helpful and useful at the time. Um, Lean Launchpad is, whether you're teaching entrepreneurship or frankly you're teaching science, is it's the scientific method mm -hmm. made real. So it's very useful in, I think, any entrepreneurship class, but also in some other classes. Um, uh, design thinking is a toolkit. Uh, they've done a really nice job of packaging these things up so that educators can use them. And there are techniques that, depending on the moment and depending on the question, come into play. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not about teaching business. It's not uh, entrepreneurship being taught as some religion. It's about mastering skills. It's about learning skills. And that's, that's really what it's about. And um, we happen to have created a vehicle for doing that really powerfully by having students working on whatever the class they're in, problems that are meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. And then the teachers have a highly developed set of systems that help them guide the students through it. It isn't just throwing a problem in the room and leaving and coming back three weeks later, which I've seen um, happening sometimes. Sure. And it isn't that the kids don't, students don't learn some things during that three weeks, but this is highly developed. Um, you've seen it. We have a we have a highly developed set of curriculum for the problem solving part, mm -hmm. for reflection, feedback, teaming, uh, communications. Uh, students learn, you know, they write more, read more, they say, than they've ever done because they need to in order to um, have quality results and in order to solve the problems they're solving. Right. Um, and I know a big part of the course as well is to partner with real startups, uh, real entrepreneurs, and that's bringing that truth into the classroom where you're working right. on real problems. And, right. and to your point that it's not, hey, we throw a problem into the classroom and leave, right. it's also not a teacher-constructed right. problem. Right. It's a problem that we've gone out to identify. See, that's huge. So let's say, so that's absolutely huge. Um, it isn't it isn't a teacher-constructed problem. So one of the things that happens when you start a conversation with educators and you're talking about using real problems that matter is that because of the way we do school, very often an educator's go-to place is to start themselves thinking of, okay, what problem should we choose mm -hmm. for the, right? And if there's no student choice in the construct of the problem, none, or if it isn't real, if it's just teacher-constructed, it, it actually doesn't feel much different than traditional school. Um, but let's say what you want is you want students to learn Chinese history. Okay, they're American students, and you want them to learn something about Chinese history. How do you use what we're talking about here to do that? Well, if you start with the idea that anything in, that that is um, 
an important, interesting, complicated, contemporary issue is only evaluated well in the con in, if one knows its historical context. That you can't look at today and divorce what's happening today in Chinese um, governance mm -hmm. from history. It's, you know, this part is actually like traditional school. As a teacher, you start with what are my learning objectives? Okay, so if a teacher sits in front of me and says my learning objective is that my students learn Chinese history, we can still, and we have, come up with ways to use real contemporary problems that matter to someone mm -hmm. um, that students will engage in and be excited to solve because no one's yet solved them mm -hmm. and have them learning Chinese history as a result. In addition to some other things, I'm sure, yeah, as you said sure. before, transdisciplinary, sure. interdisciplinary, you have, I know we saw come up in the course, right. they hit on statistics, they learn about right. psychology, they learn about all these different uh, content areas in order to solve the Because problem. they have to. They also learn a lot about themselves. And it's, so they learn, they, learn, they learn what it is to yourself care about history. Why do I, Doris, care about history? Okay, not why does my teacher tell me I should care, but why do I care? Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm working on something that's meaningful to me and the only way for me to do it well, to solve it well or to address it well, whatever it is, mm -hmm is to have some historic, to know something about the history, that immediate, I, I don't, no one has to tell me why history matters. Right. That you have to learn, you know, if you, if you don't know history, it repeats itself or whatever. We don't need to, we don't need to beat on somebody. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're working on a problem you care about and in the course of solving it, you better know something about statistics which you see in our program happens all the time, right. then I don't start with a lecture on what standard deviation means or what, <laughs> I don't start with that. Right. But do they end up learning that? Absolutely. And they own it. Mm -hmm. They don't learn it because I told them this is going to be on your test. They learn it because they can't do what they want to do, what they care to do well, if they don't get it. So they learn it. And it's, you know, it's, it's the kind of learning that as adults, you think about what, what are the biggest learning moments in your life. You always remember an experience you had of some mm. sort where you had to learn whatever it was for whatever reason, right? Absolutely. If I gave you now the history tests that you took in 10th grade, <laughs> okay, you would fail Absolutely. all of them. So what was the point? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's been amazing to see you know, how you can really take experiential education to the next level in that way, that it hits the important skills, but you're able to do it academically as well, where you're bringing in a lot of important content that's, that's really the students bringing it in themselves in order to solve the problems that... Well, and you can construct it that way. So if you want them to learn nuclear physics mm -hmm. and you have a very... A, 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 you have learning objectives, content objectives. These are the things that a student must know coming out of my class. You can construct the learning in such a way that you can construct the course and the curriculum and the path in such a way that they must learn those things.
okay? Does it mean there's never, ever any lecture? No. Does it mean, you know, are there any absolutes in this? No. And when people tell me, oh, I, you know, I believe there should never be anybody lecturing. I don't even know what that means, right? Our, our programs could not be more flipped, right? <laughs> um, the, the work happens, uh, you know, online, all kinds of stuff happens outside of class. Mm-hmm. I don't come in in the mornings and lecture, but are there moments when students need me to, um, you know, when they're asking for, hey, will you teach us this? Mm-hmm. And I stand there and with a whiteboard and say, yeah, here we go. And for 15 minutes or whatever, that's a lecture. Sure. Okay, now it's interactive. It's what they asked for. Right. There's a lecture. Do the students know nuclear physics on their own? Can they find, Can they figure out everything they need to know about statistics by themselves? No. So you guide them Mm -hmm. through that, and there are all kinds of ways we do that. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't have to know everything, but it's really academic and it's really rigorous. It's just different. For more information and resources, go to doschoolbetter.com. Podcasts created by Tim Desmond, Doris Corda, and Allison Tanker. Produced by Tim Desmond.